Matthew chapter 5, continue our lessons on the Sermon on the Mount. I will read verses 27 through 30, and this lesson's uh, entitled, Do Not Lust, Do Not Lust. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than uh, for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now, Jesus gives us a very clear visual of how much we should fight against sin. I don't think it always teaching us to, you know, we need to literally pluck our eyes out. We'll talk about that. But it's definitely a good clear visual to how serious we should deal with sin. Uh, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Uh, let's pray. Father, help us tonight as we uh, look into your word and help us uh, as we look at the, the words of the Lord Jesus and uh, I pray that um, we would listen to what he has to teach us tonight from the word and help us, Lord, to always strive against lust and many forms in which it comes, uh, lust that leads to adultery and, uh, in our hearts, but lust for other things as well. Uh, Lord, help us to be content and help us, Lord, to have uh, happy and holy marriages, Lord, that give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, once again, Jesus uses these words, um, you have heard it was said. Uh, just a reminder for anyone that hasn't been here so far, um, Jesus isn't necessarily referring to like, hey, the Old Testament says this, and I'm telling you this. That's not what he is doing. When Jesus is quoting, oftentimes, the Old Testament, he says, it is written. Saying it is written is much different than you have heard it said. Uh, so he's not saying, hey, this is what the Old Covenant said. He's re making reference to what they have been taught about the Old Covenant and about uh, the law. Um, and we've seen that in verse 21 when we, when we talked uh, there about murder and anger. Uh, he, remember, he applied it more deeply uh, than just not committing murder, but you know, we, we can't do anger as well. Um, an unjust anger, we talked about that. He'll say this phrase a few more times in this chapter during the Sermon on the Mount. Now when Jesus says this, he is not referring to the Scriptures in the sense of, uh, you know, I said this of old, <laughs> but I say this now. That's not what he's doing. Uh, but he is correcting the things that they have heard and how they've been taught. Um, and, and so it's a, good, it's a good lesson for us to make sure that we not only know what the Bible says, but that we apply it the right way and in every way that it needs to be and should be applied. Um, not just on the surface, but apply it to the heart. And because the Pharisees failed to do that, God wants not just an outward obedience, but He wants us to apply the Word of God internally unto our hearts. Um, 
So the way the, the, the scriptures were being taught by spiritual leaders of the day uh, was really only in regard to physical adultery. And so he's really addressing a problem of the day. Uh, they were not talking anything in regards to lust or teaching against uh, adultery in the heart. And so they did not apply the spiritual principle of not committing adultery in the heart. And you know, it just tells us something that we need to be aware of. And we're reading the Word of God. Don't just apply it externally. Apply it internally. We need to make sure we're doing that. And so also, this is showing us, of course, that we can commit adultery in our hearts. And so therefore, it reveals that we may not be as righteous as we may think, and it revealed that the Pharisees were not as righteous as what they may have thought or as what everyone else would have thought. And Jesus, I think, is revealing that. Now, Jesus expects his followers to have a righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees. Now, we know that's true in the righteousness of Christ that is imputed unto us by faith. That righteousness far exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees. But on a practical level... Our righteousness is to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. The righteousness of the Pharisees was all external. And Jesus is teaching that for his followers, we should desire an internal righteousness. And that righteousness exceeds the Pharisees, which was just an outward form or an outward show. And so I think his followers will desire righteousness within. His followers will want righteousness inside, not just to clean the outside of the cup, but to clean the inside of the cup. And so also in, in talking about this, um, there could have been some that maybe could look at the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, and say, hey, I'm good. I haven't done that. I, I have not done that physically. I've never done that. And that, that can, in somewhat, if you only apply it in that sense, it can possibly create a form of, uh, self-righteousness in that aspect. And so Jesus is saying, hey, it goes deeper than that. And, and so applying it in the way that he does would make every, anyone that would really meditate upon the principle physically and in the spiritual realm would say, you know what, we are all guilty. And so therefore, we're not righteous of ourselves uh, to the, the extent where we are sinless. Now, and first of all, let's state this, adultery is wrong. I, I would think that our crowd tonight, I wouldn't have to clarify that. Um, but our culture, even, even, honestly, even in our culture, at first glance would say, you know, adultery is wrong. Um, yeah, you shouldn't commit adultery. Um, but at the same time, even in our culture, adultery is minimized uh, very quickly at the same time. People fall out of love, you know. And so, therefore, you know, maybe adultery isn't as bad. Um, or if a spouse is unlikable. Well, you know, I know they did that, but man, they, have you seen who they're married to? You know how they treat them? And so, while adultery sometimes in our culture is still seen as wrong, um, it, it just seems like it, there's a lot of excuses uh, made to justify it. But Jesus makes it clear in verse 31 and 32 uh, that divorce is only to be for sexual immorality. Uh, that's the words of Christ. Now, our culture quickly dismisses marriage when it hits uh, hard times. I mean, it's like adultery is wrong, but it seems like we give up on marriages way too quickly. And if we would take the Bible serious and God's Word serious, we would see that 
We need to take marriage serious, and we should never give up very easily on our marriages. Um, now, there's not a, much of a fight for your marriage mindset in our culture. We've, just, we've really lost that, and we have definitely been hurt over the years. Uh, but that needs to be different among the people of God. We need to fight for our marriages. We must fight for our marriages. Fight against adultery. Uh, it, can it can destroy our marriages. Yes, I I've seen marriages actually healed and mended uh, after adultery. There can be forgiveness after adultery. Now, adultery is a biblical justification of divorce. Jesus gives us that. But at the same time, marriages can be healed even from that. Um, I've seen that. That can happen. And so I'm not. I'm even saying even if adultery has been committed, if two people are repentant there, if a person repented, there can be forgiveness. There can be healing. It can happen. Um, fight for your marriage. Fight for it. Um, fight against adultery, though. Don't let it ever go that far. Fight against physical adultery. Uh, but in order to do that, you must fight against spiritual adultery and heart adultery. Stay loyal to Christ in your hearts and stay loyal to your spouse. Listen, adultery is never okay. It can never be justified in any way. It can never be justified. It is always wrong. Thou shalt not. Okay, there, there's no middle ground. There's no justification. Well, their spouse is a jerk. Their spouse beat them. Adultery is always wrong. If their spouse is beating them, they need to get safe. They need to get out of that. They need to get out of there, Okay. Uh, I believe that. Um, but adultery is never okay. Um, underneath the, the, the Levitical law, uh, the man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, uh, shall surely been, have been put to death. And so it just really shows what the Lord thinks of that. But both parties were to be put to death in, underneath that old covenant with Israel that they had and that's one of the reasons I find it very interesting when, when Jesus was walking here on the earth and, and they brought to the woman it actually says caught in the very act of adultery well if we get caught in the very act of adultery it takes two people and they only brought the woman and I think very clearly he is showing you know what you guys really aren't concerned about following the law and they're really just wanting to, met, to, to really mess with him and all of that uh, so I find that very interesting that they did not bring uh, the man. But adultery is always wrong. Again, but my spouse is abusive. Then, then get help. Do what you can to make sure you are safe, your children are safe. But committing adultery is not the answer. It does not excuse that. Uh, say, well, my spouse has committed adultery. Well, that doesn't mean that that's not a license uh, for you to do the same thing. Uh, if they have, then if you cannot work it out, they do not repent, and there cannot be forgiveness, and you can't move forward, then uh, the Bible would justify a divorce in that case. But still fight for your marriage, if at all possible. Um, but adultery is never the answer. It's never right, and I think we need to understand that, and we should never justify it for any reason. But secondly, adultery in the heart is wrong. Okay, physical adultery is always wrong, and adultery in the heart is wrong. Now, while many in our world today would, would, would agree with me mostly and say, well, adultery is wrong, um, 
I don't think that we apply it to the sense in which Jesus teaches to apply it because I think our culture actually glorifies heart adultery. I think it glorifies it. I think that it doesn't think much of it at all. Um, most of people in the world would say, you know, you shouldn't commit adultery, but yet we, with, with our promotion of pornography and our promotion of, of the sexualization of our culture and, you know, the mindset of you can look but you can't touch, all of that kind of thing uh, really does not apply uh, thou shalt not commit adultery to the heart. And so we got a problem in our culture uh, there for sure. Um, the sexualization in our culture is, sees very little wrong with looking and lusting. Uh, I mean, we have advertisement uses lust to entice the senses to get people to want products that have nothing to do with sexuality. I mean, a, a woman posing half-dressed to convince us we need to buy a car or to buy a burger. I mean, it, it goes from one extreme to the next, and it uses lust. Why? So that the longer you stare at that, that person uh, there, you're also looking at the product and thinking about the product at the same time. And it, it works, apparently. Um, uh, anyhow, um, all of us have a responsibility uh, to protect ourselves from committing heart adultery. We also have a responsibility within ourselves, within our ability, to not encourage heart adultery in other people. And so there's a responsibility there laid upon men and women uh, to not dress in, in ways that are immodest or to entice the eyes of others. Um, I believe in modest apparel not because I, I believe because I'm a legalist. I believe in modest apparel because Jesus teaches against heart adultery and there's some accountability on all of our parts to not wear anything provocative that would, call, that would encourage that. In physical adultery, both parties were guilty. In heart adultery, there could be two parties guilty. And so if you're wearing things that are enticing to other people uh, or not wearing enough makes it enticing to other people, I do believe you will be held accountable for that. Something to think about. And here's another thing for us, especially as men, uh, because we are more enticed by what we see. Uh, even if women are wearing things that they should not wear, you have a responsibility to not lust. In other words, you can't put it off all on them. You have a responsibility to not look. You have a responsibility to turn the eye away, uh, and you will be held accountable for that. Um, this looking at another woman that Jesus uh, says here is looking, uh, is a look that desires to lust. And notice the language here. He says, um, whosoever looks at a woman to lust. So there is purpose, there is intentionality. Uh, in other words, you know, you may look at someone and you don't have that plan. You don't have that purpose. Uh, but you look too long and you begin to think like that. Then you, you got you to look away. You got to think otherwise. Uh, but th this is a picture of a person who's purposely looking at people to lust and to desire them. Now, physical adultery, physical adultery is, is that intimacy with a person that should be between a man and a woman in marriage. Heart adultery, to just try to keep it in simple terms, is imagining yourself being intimate with that person. Imagining yourself to be intimate with that person. And, um, and I think that is where you have, you have crossed a line uh, when you start thinking about that and desiring them in any way like that that you shouldn't. Uh, 
I, I think a man or a woman could actually look at another person and actually look at them and think, well, they are an attractive person or they're a nice-looking person, and, and there not be lust involved. Uh, but you've got to be careful, right? You look too long, you gaze too long, you start thinking too long, and that, now you've crossed that line. Now, thirdly, I want to make this, this statement. Uh, physical adultery and heart adultery are not the same. Physical adultery and heart adultery are not the same. Some have actually taken the words of Jesus here and actually almost used it as an excuse and said, well, I've all, I'm already doing it anyway in my heart, so I might as well uh, do the act. So there's really no difference. I mean, if I've done it in here, hey, what's the big deal? I might as well do it outside and actually get some physical pleasure out of it. Many have been deceived by that and thinking like that. They are not the same sin. But Jesus is clearly teaching that they are both sin. They are both sin, but they're not the same sin. They are both prohibited by the command to not commit adultery. But physical adultery and heart adultery are two different sins. Um, I like what David Guzik stated about this. He said, some people only keep from adultery because they are afraid to get caught. And in their heart, they commit adultery every day. Uh, it is good that they keep from the act of adultery, but it is bad that their heart is filled with adultery. Uh, they, they are not the same sin. And we'll give you a good reason for that in just a moment. But in 2 Peter 2 and verse 14, Peter talks about those who having eyes, having eyes full of adultery uh, that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices. You know, we, we can train our, our heart and mind to just be engulfed in, in lustful thoughts. And he says, and are accursed children. I mean, this is the character trait of those who aren't following the Lord. Who Listen, as people of God, we should care about our hearts. We should care about what goes on on the inside. If you have been guilty of committing heart adultery, that does not mean that you are guilty of committing the act of adultery. But it still requires repentance. It still requires you to cut it out of your life. It still requires you to do what you can to purge that sin from your life. Now, if heart adultery is the same as committing the act of adultery, then probably every marriage that exists will have justifiable excuse for divorce. Right? You understand that? It, it, it's interesting to me, the very next thing Jesus talks about here is what? It is divorce is permissible for sexual immorality. And so I think you need to connect those thoughts that if hard adultery, committing at one time, <laughs> But at one time is the same thing as the act of, of adultery, then pretty much every marriage that's ever existed probably has justifiable excuse biblically to get, to get divorced. Probably very few people in this world could say that they have lived, you know, been married for many, many, many years and have never allowed their thoughts to go where they shouldn't, if we were honest. And so I'm just saying that it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. But it's still sin. And we shouldn't do it. We should fight against it. 
Now, this really is a good test because this really, I think, shows you where your heart is at. I mean, a lot of people want, like the Pharisee, that they want the appearance of righteousness, but they don't want righteousness. There's a big difference there. The Pharisees wanted the appearance of righteousness, the appearance of holiness, the appearance of faithfulness, the appearance of integrity. But they didn't want it inside. And Jesus is addressing that. And it's seen by the fact that they didn't even teach on it. They didn't even do it that at all. Listen, you want to really know where your heart's at with God? I mean, look at this issue. God has made us a sexual beings, right? It, it, it is natural, it is good in its place in marriage when a man and a woman under the covenant of marriage, right? God has made us for that. So it's good in its right place. And it's kept in the right place, that's good. Um, but it's how you deal with, with this issue tells a whole lot about your walk with God. If you dismiss it and minimize it, heart adultery, uh, then you are not really longing after the righteousness of Christ. Now, fourthly, uh, let me say this. Regarding protecting your heart and protecting a marriage. Jesus says this, if your right eye causes you to sin, then pluck it out. There's actually been people in history that have actually done this. <laughs> I mean, they've taken it very literal, and people have said, okay, I'll do that. And they've actually plucked their eyes out. There's a problem with that. You know what? A blind man can lust. A blind woman can lust. Because it's not the eye is not the main problem. Now, I think the things we see with the eye gate do help inflame. It does entice us. There's, there's emotions, there's senses there. But that's not the main problem. The main problem is, is, is the internal man. It is the heart. And, um, and, and so plucking your eye out isn't necessarily going to cause you to quit lusting. I've spoken with enough guys that have, have told me that, that they know that they've struggled greatly with that, uh, that, uh, that, they, that that doesn't even... It wouldn't matter if they did pluck their eyes out. Um, now, and so I do not believe Jesus would have us to do that. But our problem, uh, as I said, is not physical. It's, it's not our eyes. It is a problem with our heart. Because uh, he says we look for the purpose or desire to lust. So you're looking with desire to lust. So the eye is what you're using, but the problem was the heart that wanted to purposely lust. Um, we can cut out a lot of things physically that we would look at, okay, that would maybe make it worse, but that's not going to ultimately solve the problem. What's ultimately going to solve the problem is for a change of heart. Now, we shouldn't look at things, we need to cut things out of our life, quit watching movies or listen to things that might get us thinking about all that stuff. Uh, we need to cut those things out because it does hurt and inflame the problem. But we, right here, is what's got to change. We desire because of our heart. And uh, so plucking your eye out is not the answer. It, it is asking God to change your heart within. Uh, and so ask the Lord to, to, to help you to love Him, because that's what's going to help you. To love Him more, to love Him with all of your heart. That is the solution. That is what will help keep you uh, from looking to lust. When we have a love for Jesus Christ, uh, we won't look for the purpose of lust. Uh, and if you are married, to also love your spouse as you should. Uh, one of the very best defenses against adultery in your, in your life is a happy marriage. Focus on your wife, loving her. Focus on your husband, loving him. 
So Jesus is most assuredly not teaching us to cut out uh, our uh, eyes or to cut off our hands, but I do think it's a very good visual to be willing to cut off things from your life, whatever you need to, in order to keep you from committing physical adultery. Uh, there can be some things physically we need to cut out of our life uh, to help protect us from that. Uh, I read this one quote here uh, by Lou Prelo, but it was, it was more dealing with someone who's committed adultery, but the principle is good to keep you from committing adultery as well. And he said this, You must completely end the adulterous affair. Uh, this other person must be plainly told that the relationship is over. If possible, uh, ask for forgiveness for your selfishness and deceit, preferably on a conference call with your spouse or pastor on the line. There can be no continuing communication, no secret rendezvous, telephone calls, cards, letters, or emails. The other person should be emphatically told not to contact you anymore. You must be willing to amputate from your life anything that will tempt you to reopen this relationship. Don't keep any mementos, photographs, keepsakes, or other memorabilia that might tempt you to spend time thinking about and fueling romantic feelings for the other person. You may have to change your telephone number, your email address, or the route you take to and from the office. Now you will have to take the, the money, time, thoughts, dreams, affection, initiative, and creative energies that you spent on the other person and reinvest them in your spouse. And so I just thought that was really good. But it's also good advice if you haven't committed adultery to cut that off. And I don't know, hopefully there's no one being tempted to be unfaithful tonight. Uh, but what, if there's anything like that going on, cut it off immediately. If it's at your workplace, if you have to, quit your job. Quit your job. Go somewhere else. I mean, God, you'd be much better off to quit your job and to work for less money than you would be to commit adultery and, and to destroy possibly your marriage. So that was good advice, I think, for once already committed adultery, but, uh, but even better advice before you commit it. Um, go to, be willing to go to extreme measures. I think it was Jesus teaching us that. Cut off your right eye, cut off your eye, cut off your hand. Go to extreme measures to protect your marriage. I mean, surely if he's saying cut off your, your, cut off your right hand or your eye, there's other things you can probably cut off in your life that you should cut off. Go to extreme measures to ensure that you do not allow yourself to be compromised. Mortify those situations that inflame the lust. Run away and flee. Like I said, even if it means getting a different job, um, do not commit adultery and do not even lust. It is wrong. It is sin. They're not the same sin. Physical adultery and heart adultery is not the same sin, but they are sin. Uh, usually physical adultery starts in the heart, right? It's already been there. And if we don't cut it off in the heart, sometimes it leads to the physical act. But it should be stopped. A-S-A-P. Repented of for sure. And um, this really tells a lot about ourselves and how we view sin is whenever we, uh, if we entertain thoughts of heart adultery and we're not dealing with that, it really tells a lot about ourselves. And uh, do we truly want righteousness? 
Do we truly want righteousness or not? Um, or do we want to just look righteous before others? Um, so it's really a good question to ask ourselves. Do we really want righteousness? Right. Father in heaven, I pray for protection of, of each one here tonight. Help us, Lord, not to have uh, lusts that we shouldn't have. Uh, help us that are married to only have desires for our spouses. And help us to fight for our marriages against any sexual immorality. And Lord, I pray that, that if, uh, if there's some that are, are guilty of that even tonight or are listening, Lord, I pray that they'd repent of that, uh, Lord, and turn from that. And we ask that you would do that. And help us, Lord, to be on guard. Satan loves to destroy our marriages and to tempt us to infidelity. And so help us, Lord, I pray, to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen.